Today's show is brought to you by Namely. When was the last time you checked your pay stub or picked benefits at work? Chances are it wasn't easy. HR software has been clunky and hard to use ever since HR has been a thing. One technology company takes a different approach. Namely is the only all-in-one HR, payroll, and benefits software employees love to use. Ready to clock in? No problem. Need to write a performance review? You can do that. Want to schedule some vacation time? Namely makes easy to do, even from your phone. Namely also uses social news feeds like Facebook, where employees can share updates, celebrate birthdays, and give shout-outs for a job well done. Namely doesn't just make work easier, it actually makes it a little more fun, too. Over 1,000 companies use Namely every day. If you're in HR or run your business, it's time to see Namely in action. Get a free demo by visiting namely.com slash decode. One more time, that's namely.com slash decode. See how you can build a better workplace with Namely. Hi, I'm Kara Swisher, executive editor of Recode. You may know me as someone who'll be running in 2020 for president of the Kim Kardashian fan club, but in my spare time, I talk tech and you're listening to Recode Decode for the Vox Media Podcast Network. Today in the red chair is my good friend, Jennifer Palmieri, I have to say that. She is the former White House communications director. She's also the director of communications for Hillary Clinton's 2016 presidential campaign and is the author of a new book, which I'm thrilled to talk about, Dear Madam President, an open letter to the woman who will run the world. Jennifer, welcome to Rico Deacon. I'm so excited to be Thank here. Thank you to, for coming to San Francisco, all the way to San Francisco. I mean, this You're doing is, a worldwide tour, right? doing a worldwide tour, but this is like the highlight. This oh, is what I've been looking forward to. <laughs> yes. It used to be Charlie Rose, but no longer. We can get into that. It's so true. I know. It's so true. It's so true. It's so true. Yeah. You, that is what you are. Yes. Uh, yes you are the 21st century Charlie, Charlie Rose. Like, yeah, except with, with 100% less with sexual better, harassment. Yeah, with better hair and better nicer hair, attitude. Not as handsy. Um, anyway, so uh, talk to me about that. Let me, let's get into your background because people don't know, our, our listeners right. may or may not know who you are, but explain your background. You, you've been like in the behind the scenes power monger for many years now. Yeah, I have worked. Um, I worked for President Obama for four years. Mm-hmm. I worked for President Clinton for eight years. Um, I was there for all eight years at the Clinton White House. And um, you did what? So you were the- I started, I, Leon Panetta was my congressman. I was really lucky. So I went to high school in the Monterey Bay area mm-hmm. and he... I uh, interned for him in college, and then when Bill Clinton became Where'd elected, you go to college? Um, American in mm-hmm. D.C. Sure, went to Georgetown. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. And so then, when Clinton was elected, I Leon uh, went and became his budget chair, or, and then chief his of staff. chief of staff, and I right. went with him. So that I was really lucky, and I ended up my last job, Clinton White House, as one of the deputy press secretaries. Right? How'd you get into press secretarying? That was a funny thing. That was I was not something I the press used to terrify me and it was but what did I you knew do for, I knew the that? White House really well um, right. because I had worked for the chief of staff and then I had worked in the scheduling office as a deputy scheduler and which is a big operation in a presidential campaign or in a White House and right. Mike McCurry was the press secretary and he asked me if I would come be a deputy press secretary in his office and I said, you know, I I don't know anything about the press and they terrify me. He's mm-hmm. like, perfect. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, they wanted, terrified wanted, you? Because um, you seem I, a little terrifying yourself. Too, they, and some people have said that. Many people have said that. <laughs> it has been said. That it's funny. Secret Service agents used to say that. You're like, you walk. You always look so intense walking around. Mm-hmm. President Obama once said to me, you always have a look on your face like something terrible is about to happen. I was like, <laughs> well... <laughs> 
but I didn't, you know, I had never really engaged with the press. So, you know, you know, people who work in politics who don't deal with the press are terrified of them because mm-hmm. you can get into really big trouble if you, um, if you screw something up there. And, but Mike, what Mike wanted was somebody who really knew the White House and could get the press office's business done. And what I found was um, that I loved the press mm-hmm. and I loved working with them and they were smart and engaging and they cared about the process. And I really, um, and I was surprised to find that I enjoyed it and, I went from there to be the press secretary for the National Party. Mm-hmm. Um, the Democratic Party. The Democratic Party. After the Clintons. <laughs> after the Clintons. And then uh, I was uh, John Edwards' press secretary in the yeah. 2004. Uh, was that the bad election? That was the good, that was what we, what we the, the 2004 <laughs> veterans referred to as the good campaign. Um, because, How did she get hooked up with him? Uh, I wanted, you know, I, I didn't do the 92 campaign. Mm-hmm. And I really wanted to get in on the ground floor of a mm-hmm. long shot candidate right. and go tromp through the snows in New Hampshire and Iowa with your... Right. You know, your candidate. And um, I thought he was good. I had watched him from the sidelines and I met his wife. I, I went to interview at their home mm-hmm. in D.C. and Elizabeth answered the door and she had a Diet Coke in one hand and a yogurt in the other. And she's like, <laughs> do you want either one of these? Because they're all I have in the home. I'm going to lose 40 pounds. Uh-huh. And I thought, this woman is never losing 40 pounds. <laughs> but, but still. <laughs> but I just loved her. Yeah. And uh, we got along great. Mm-hmm. And she was a big part of why I wanted to do that yeah. campaign. 2004 campaign was a good one. It was the 2008 campaign where it all went yeah. awry. Yeah, and you had by then gone. I did, yeah, I went to Center for American Progress, which mm-hmm. is where I went after the 2004 election. And um, I helped some on the Edwards 08 race, particularly Elizabeth, and um, um, but never joined officially. Right. And then I became Obama's deputy communications director in 2000, late 2011. Um, and then White House communications director in 12. Which is a big job. It's a really big job. Yeah. Which you share, not with Anthony Scaramucci, but you <laughs> almost, right? He was almost. He was that job. No, he was, he was That's it for, that was the 11 day, that yeah. was the 11 day job. So talk about that job. Talk about that job. And then I want to get into the book uh, pretty quickly. Um, what what are the, and I want to know how it cha- has changed too, because you had a long stint in politics. I mean, yeah. in the beginning, it was sort of newspapers and broadcast networks, right? Right. And it was all about, it was all about capturing the first few minutes of the network news and nightly news. And it was about, um, I mean, we actually had people who waited at the loading docks at 10 o'clock at night to get the first editions of the New York Times and the Washington Post. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And uh, the print editions, yes. Um, And, you know, they would cut up the newspapers and have clips like that. And that's, um, we thought it was... Uh, I was there at the advent of um, cable news, right? Because um, <laughs> uh, during President Clinton's time, and particularly uh, Fox, uh, Fox uh, was created then. And during impeachment, it was you know we were providing round the clock uh, fodder for cable, and that's where it really took off. And that's where I feel like the twenty four hour news cycle really was created. But you, you saw when I came back with Obama. Same dynamics. It's amazing. I think there's some things about White Houses that probably have been true since the very beginning. And same dynamics in terms of the interaction with the press. It's just the um, it, it got even less substance-oriented in, in Obama and more uh, processy. And you found I found that stories would burn hot, fast, and out really mm-hmm. quickly. Mm-hmm. So it's hard to it's hard to break through to make something matter. You know, so we'd be looking for platforms, something like this. You know, right. it's a platform that's going to matter. We did a great interview with you with mm-hmm. President Obama when I was communications director. Um, 
you know, so you're looking, you're dealing with the incoming and trying to figure out as you're being attacked or, you know, attacked by an opponent or criticized by the press, do you need, is it something that you need, this is like the hardest calculation, do you have to react? Do you need to respond to that? Or do you let it go? And it used to be, even as recently as during Obama, there was a lot of things you could ignore and let go because if you lifted it up or if you responded to them, you're going to draw more attention to the attack or the criticism. And now I think that, and we would err on holding back and restraining. And now I think you have to respond right away because you you need to, at a minimum, you need to give your supporters and people who are like they might that be you're hearing, out there, right? Yeah, like why? I don't know. Maybe that's true what they said. I don't know. So mm-hmm. you got to tell people um, what they need to know. And you, you really, there's very little you control. I mean, this is a big myth about the White House, right? The President of the United States has a lot of power. Mm-hmm. The President of the United States has almost zero control. Right, right. You are you are at the mercy of the planet. And any one thing can happen on any day that upends your entire plan. And so you have to understand and communicating for the President of the United States that um, you don't get to control, you don't get to have a nice little neat message calendar and say each day what the message is going to be, although you go through that process because it's worthwhile to try. Um, So what I would try to do is how can you reveal... President Obama's qualities and priorities by the manner in which he does respond to whatever the crisis is. And like you have to think in three dimensions. And it was the first time you all were sort of attacked from places that you didn't normally get attacked from, from Reddit or elsewhere. Right. There is. And and you have the, you know, it's a big world and everybody has a platform. So Mm -hmm. you, uh, it was during... Uh, and, and you have to realize that nothing stays isolated. So it was during Obama, like in 2014, where we started realizing power of Facebook in news. Mm-hmm. Because, We're going to get into that. <laughs> because Ukraine, the Russia invasion of Ukraine, mm-hmm. not something that should be on the minds of everyday Americans, but what we found mm-hmm. was that it would, and when we would be doing research, we would find we'd hear about it. We'd hear people expressing concern about that or um, Ebola. And what we found was, it was through Facebook that things that you know used to stay isolated to cable news, like we would say, "Oh, that's just a cable, that's just something CNN is focused on." Real people don't care about it, and mm-hmm. then you found it starting getting in people's news feeds, and then it went everywhere, and it you know really so weirdly. Something like Facebook made cable news matter more. Right, right. That you wanted, yeah. <laughs> they were more substantive. Yeah. So, so you then moved to the Clinton campaign, mm-hmm. um, and th- that's where all the wheels fall off the bus. <laughs> oh right? is that is yes. Yeah. Donald Trump in the 2016 election is the disruption that came to politics to prove to us it is entirely broken. broken. Like that mm-hmm. is my mm-hmm. uh, meta conclusion. Mm-hmm. Which you talk about in the, yeah, in the book. Yeah. yeah. So I'm going to get to the book in the next section, but I wanted to talk about this. So you went to, why did you go to the Hillary Clinton campaign? What was the, you were there in the nice Obama oh, White right. House. I know. Serving I know. out a lovely term. You could I know, have, I could have gone. Some I, lunches were about to happen. You were about to be able to have lunch and dinner. They went to the Arctic. I mean, I would watch <laughs> yeah. with such envy all of the cool things Obama was doing in his last year. Yeah. But what could I thought was... Arctic. Huh? You could have gone to the Arctic. I know. That looked like such like, an amazing trip. Where did you go? Oh, my God. It's, <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah. Instead, I think that, that was the weekend I actually ended up in the hospital the weekend that he went to the Arctic. But I thought that it was going to be a really hard campaign. Mm-hmm. And I had a lot of experience. I had a lot of experience with crises. I knew the Clintons well. Mm-hmm. I never worked directly for Hillary, but I knew her pretty well. Um 
And I thought it was I thought it was going to be hard to elect uh, her because it's a third term for Democrats. The economy is still not doing well. You know, real big you know income inequality, wage gaps, and. There's all this stuff that hangs around Hillary Clinton that makes it harder for her than any, when she sets out mm-hmm. to do something than it is for anybody else. Mm-hmm. So I thought that that was a good use of me. And President Obama supported it. So I didn't think it was going to be super fun, <laughs> but I thought it was going to be an important thing to do. So when, when you went into it, you thought, okay, it's going to be hard because she's... And there's a thing you talk about in the book. Yeah. Um, where you talk about that there's something about her I don't like. Yeah, T-S-A-H-I-J-D-L. There's yeah. something about her I just don't like. Right. Yeah. Did, were you aware of that as, as heavy as that was? <laughs> no. She, I knew that there was this, like I said, I knew there was stuff around that hangs around her that mm-hmm. makes it hard for her. Um, but I thought that was because she'd been in politics for 25 years and she gets attacked by the Republicans all the time. And that leaves a mark. And neither of those people, when in politics, you either get killed off or you get like knocked around a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. And she got knocked around a little bit. Um, but I didn't think, as I do now, that the sort of, you know, what I see as like a rational, um, sort of the gut reaction people who really hate or have to her are people that just have some doubts. I think that comes from her being a woman that's always um, been stepping out of the role that we've traditionally thought women should hold. Mm-hmm. And that that's how, you know, it would it would manifest itself in... You know, people having those kinds of reactions, like, "Well, why does she want to do this? Well, you know, why does she want the job?" People mm-hmm. believe she could do the job. That's mm-hmm. progress, right? Two thousand eight. Right. That was right. a question. Two thousand eight. Right. People right. weren't sure. Competent. When could be. Everyone felt she was competent and intelligent, and could be commander in chief. Right. Yeah. Big deal. Yeah. But there's still like this. This something about her I just don't like. And I went back and and watched videos um, from the 92 campaign and people mm-hmm. who had interviewed her and people that interviewed, there was ABC did this one show where they talked to men and women on the street. What do you think Bill Clinton's life? You know, there's something about her I just don't like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, literally, literally <laughs> what they said. There's something about her I just don't trust. Right. And I thought, this was in the spring of 2016, I felt totally liberated. I was right. like, I am not solving this problem. Right. This problem is not on the level. This mm-hmm. is like this has nothing to do mm-hmm. with the woman that is Hillary Rodham Clinton. This mm-hmm. is from when she was um, a college lady? student. Well, First. college student even because right. she gave a speech, a commencement address at, at Wellesley. Wellesley. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was really challenging, and she ended up on the cover of Time Magazine or mm-hmm. Life Magazine. Then she's like the you know Bill Clinton's wife. Didn't change her name. Made more mm-hmm. money than him. Stayed home. Ba- didn't stay home. Baked cookies, cookies. All yeah. that, and so she's just always stepping out of that role mm-hmm. and. It doesn't mean that, you know, people want to hold her back or want to hold women back or it's just that's how we just don't know how to think about it. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. what I think um, we just don't we just don't have a model for how we think about women in, in those kinds of roles. And that's where you end up. And you hear it now. You know, I hear about Kirsten Gillibrand. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Something about her. Yeah. Uh, Kara Swisher. Yeah. I don't know. No, they don't do that with me. They do something else. <laughs> Isn't she a bitch? Actually, they say, I do know what it I is. I do know what it is. is. <laughs> like, like, we're going right to bitch, right? There. Right. That's what they right. usually go to. And, I, and they, the, some of them are like, I kind of like it. And others right. are like, right. not so much. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's better to be fully defined because then they know what they like or don't like. They either like a badass woman or they don't. And then yeah. that's that. Then that's that. 
um, so they can choose. Um, yes. So, so when you were working on this campaign, um, and I want to talk about the, get this because I want to get to the development of the book because we yeah. talked about it being called something else. Um, we'll get to that <laughs> in a minute. Um, so, you worked on the campaign. Did you did you expect this Donald Trump to upend it the way it did? And what are some of the things you should have anticipated. I want you to yeah. focus on tech because a lot of it was about tech. It was about emails. It was about right. whoever thought emails would be this important. Oh, yeah, but emails, I think emails was just the proxy issue for her, for right. a woman with ambition. Right. I mean, if it wasn't emails, it was going to be something else. Mm-hmm. Like, I just, I, I think that. But I felt that, and you could see pretty early on by the time we got to the fall, and mm-hmm. I write about that the, the Clintons, I actually would credit them, they both, uh, Bill and Hillary Clinton, both sort of saw this uh, earlier than mm-hmm. I think people would be surprised to right. know. that Vast right-wing conspiracy, which she was right about. Yeah, well, she was right about that. Uh, mm-hmm. She was right about that. She was, you know, and... She was right about that, but she was also right in the in the fall of 2015. We have a debate. We had debate prep. Um, mm-hmm. This is for the primary, and both of the Clintons were very uneasy. They felt like they just there's like this dis- despair and detachment in um, voters, and that they had not seen before. And I thought they were wrong initially. I thought because they didn't live through the 2010 midterms. Since she was Secretary of State, you're sort of isolated from politics, or. Um, and they're like, no, we've never, we've never seen something like this where people seem, um, you know, where there's like a lack of hope, and mm-hmm. um, they were very, they were really concerned. And I eventually, you know, every day, you, I mean, I knew by the by the fall of 2015, you understood this is something different. Trump mm-hmm. was on the rise every day. Sure, Sanders had started. Sanders was, you know, Sanders was doing well, was building mm-hmm. momentum all mm-hmm. through the summer. And it felt to me like there was, was a reckoning uh, and that we had had uh, two decades of extraordinary change. Um, we'd have two wars and 9-11 and um, the digital revolution and huge changes in the economy, big demographic changes. And there had been all of the fissures that were underneath the surface, just sort of you know, this, these frustrations just roiled to the top. And everybody mm-hmm. wanted their business dealt with, you know, from Black Lives Matter activists who maybe their parents were had been involved in the civil rights movement and they were focused on, you know, getting the right to vote, but their children were like, we want slavery dealt with. Like mm-hmm. that, like our country was, you know, for mm-hmm. a lot of us, it was founded on a lie. And I want that like recognized and dealt with. Mm-hmm. And you found women who, even in the in the campaign, women who had been victims of assault from decades before, that they wanted that recognized and dreamers who wanted to feel like they were part of America. And, you know, a coal miner in Kentucky who lived his life according to one plan and all of a sudden those jobs are gone mm-hmm. and there's no... Um, answer for him. Everybody wanted something better of America. And it felt like everybody, that this frustration came to the surface and then tech gave you the platform, gave everybody the platform from which those views could be heard. Right. So a lot of that is like, yeah, just a mind blowing, combustible Right situation. Right. So, could you have foreseen that as a can- as a campaign, or just not? You just sort of conducted I don't know. traditional Nobody campaign, did, right? Yeah. It's just right. like uh, I, you know, I, I think that we it wasn't. Um, I understood it was going. We were going to be rocking and rolling, and it was going right. to be unpredictable. And you just had to sort of. I, I didn't. I understood I was not going to be able to control the message. You just <laughs> were going to need to be able to deal with whatever came at you. But I didn't anticipate as deeply the frustration. I mm-hmm. thought that we'd seen the height of that in 10. Mm-hmm. 
in the midterms in 2010, um, backlash to Obamacare, the recession, and I felt that things were going better now. But um, it, it, I think that, it, and there was a moment in September, early September, where I thought we were going to lose. In, in 2016. 2016, right. There are plenty of times during the primary right. where I thought we were going to lose. Right. So what was the thing in September? Was it Comey? He was doing, no, because that was a... Uh, Earlier. This is, this is, an, this is an, a happy Comey-free Comey <laughs> zone of the campaign. Um, brief Comey-free zone. Um, We'd had a terrible August. Mm-hmm. This is when Hillary got pneumonia. Right. Uh, the whole deal, the the 9-11 ceremony. Right. And Trump was just getting better and more disciplined. This is when Bannon had joined the campaign, and mm-hmm. they knew what they were going to do, and they were executing right. pretty well. And I thought, why are we going to be the ones who stop him? Right. Mm-hmm. He just blew 15 candidates out of the water mm-hmm. on the Republican side. Just blew them out of the water. And he had, to, and this is part of the mistakes that I own mm-hmm. in the book, is that right. like he had taken a model of politics, which is you don't really worry about the people you have to convince. You just try to, you just try to turn, you just try to increase, turn out your base, turn out your base and increase the uh, intensity of your own support. And he mm-hmm. pursued that to a very perverted, yeah. <laughs> a perverse um outcome. And so no normal rules of politics applied to him because he didn't care that he offended people who weren't already for him. All right. We're here with Jennifer Palmieri. We're talking about her book, Dear Mr. President, Dear Madam President. I'm sorry, not Mr. President. We've had enough of those. Um, I'm sorry about that. See, look at, see, I'm even sexist. I can't stand it. Um, (laughs) Gender bias is gender Yes, I can't help it. I'm just an idiot. Dear Madam President, an open letter to the woman women who will rule the world, just not one woman, um, but it's aimed at one woman, whoever she may be. It is. I called it that. Um, I wanted every girl, woman who reads it to think whatever that that's possible for them. Not necessarily right. that everybody's going to be president, but, you know. Well, that's which just, is what everyone thought Hillary was going to be. It's just, right, right. everyone Hillary's going to be, and she's not, right. but it. she proved it was possible. Yeah. She got more votes than him, a yeah. lot. yeah. Um, and she did it, you know, with a, using an old model. And yeah. now you can use an, now we can. Okay, we're going to talk about one. that and what's in the book when we get yeah. back after a word from our sponsors. Today's show is brought to you by Betterment. It's tax season, which means it's a great time to think about your finances as a whole. Are you ready for the deadlines coming your way? Are you saving as much on taxes as possible? And are there any accounts that could be working harder for you? Maybe you have an old 401k sitting around. High fees on that account can drain your savings. According to an independent study, rolling over a Betterment IRA could mean 60% lower fees. Betterment is the modern solution to an age-old problem, how to save for a better retirement. Investing involves risk, but the licensed experts at Betterment will help you develop a personalized plan to make sure you have the retirement you deserve. Find out today if you're on track to hit your savings and investing goals. And when you need it, Betterment has the tools and guidance to help you get on track. Recode Decode listeners can get up to one year managed free. For more information, visit Betterment.com slash decode. That's Betterment.com slash decode. I'd also like to tell you about my other podcast, Too Embarrassed to Ask. Every week, we answer your questions about consumer tech and the week's news. This week, I talked to Recode's Teddy Schliefer about the shooting at YouTube and the Spotify IPO, and with Kurt Wagner about the latest developments in the Facebook Cambridge Analytica scandal. It was a really great discussion with both of them, and we hope you'll go listen to it. You can find Too Embarrassed to Ask on Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, or wherever you listen to podcasts. That's Too Embarrassed to Ask. See you there. 
We're here with Jennifer Palmieri. She was the communications director for the Clinton, Hillary Clinton's campaign, 2016 presidential campaign. She worked for uh, President Obama as White House communications director. She's been around the D.C. block quite a bit. <laughs> but she has a new book out called Dear Madam President, an open letter to the women who will run the world. Jennifer, you were going to call it something else. We had a lunch <laughs> at South by Southwest, and you were in a mad mood of after the election, right? I was. You and were. I was, and, and I was worried. So uh, I was going to call it crying at work. <laughs> <laughs> no, you had a crying at work. What was it? What was, that was one of the backup I titles. I don't know. But I forget. You had one that was real mean. It was like, fuck you, Trump, or something <laughs> like that. Uh, not my president. Not my president. Not right. my president. And what did I say? No. You said no. That was the first okay. idea. The first idea was not my president. Right. And uh, be, have it be an anti-Trump. anti-Trump. Yeah. The second idea was crying at work, mm-hmm. which was to mm-hmm. show that there's that women that you know we have followed mm-hmm. a model, you know, centuries and centuries sure. into building the workplace for men, and uh-huh. like now we're going to cry at work. Mm-hmm. Um, but then we had lunch uh, at the uh, great barbecue chicken barbecue place. And you get, and I was anxious about doing this because I was anxious about putting myself out there and if I was going to get attacked and like people won't like it and maybe Hillary won't like it. Mm-hmm. Or, and you said, if you're going to do this, don't hold back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you didn't, so you wanted to spin it positively. You wanted to have a positive spin on it. I wanted to be like, I wanted to have, um, yeah, I want it to be forward-looking and have something, you know, after all, everything that we all went through, I mean, right. Hillary, us, the sort of country at large, in a really corrosive environment, say, okay, this happened, what, and there, and you see positive things are happening, and like, what are these right. lessons that we can sure. draw from so, it? So one of the things I thought you could have also called it was, we can't have nice things, right? <laughs> that was that was your saying, right? So, no, and that so, was not, it was, it was, it was attributed to, to me. me. Yes. And that, Explain it. It can't have nice things. It wasn't my thing. But the thing is, is that it just felt that way during the Clinton campaign is right. that, you know, whenever... You'd get a plus. A plus, it was just, it would just, it would, it would, you, you'd get like, you know, a boatload of crap dumped on you at the same time. And, you know, yeah, you won Iowa caucuses, but barely. It's like, right. you know, nothing, you nothing. Nice. There was no clean, there's no clean, there's no clean hits. Nice there was no... There was just, uh, and you know, it was just like sort of our lot was to plow through a really ugly, difficult um, campaign. And you're also constantly, you're just like second guess. You know, whatever you do, you're going to be criticized for not doing the other thing. Right, exactly. So you were right. So we turned it to Dear Madam President. Right. So explain what you were going for here, because I think it's part of its therapy for you too, right? Yeah, it is. I wrote this book in two and a half months. Right. You went off to a lodge, right? A fishing lodge (laughs) or something. I, yeah, well, I have we we my husband and I live on the Chesapeake Bay, and we also have a little house in the in the mountains in New Jersey because there there are such things, and I I did it in those two places. But I was really determined that something positive could come from this experience, and also I saw something amazing happening in the country, which was women responding the way they did after Trump won, right? Because it mm-hmm. could have crushed all of our souls who weren't for him. And you could have thought, well, I guess that's like who wins in America, mm-hmm. right? That's yeah. what happens in America. Right. Well, what did you feel like right after? I mean, everyone's asked you this. I felt, um, well, I didn't want to give up initially. Right. You no, know? you had that fight with Kellyanne Conway, which I felt was epic. <laughs> <laughs> what did you tell her? We just essentially called her. I told her that they had given, they ran a campaign that gave white supremacists a platform. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So she said, are you going to look me in the face and say that I ran a campaign that did that? I said, yes. 
Yes, and you just yes, did. Yes, I am. Yes, yes. yes. And as it turned out. You did. Yeah. Um, and as it, it turned out. Yeah. So, so here you were trying to get through that or understand it. Because in the, in the under, aftermath. You're trying to understand, like, what You said what you were negative. This? Were you surprised by the You just didn't think it could possibly happen? In I felt that there was, the harder it got, mm-hmm. I just felt like there was some karmic insurance in the world that right. the worse he was, the harder it got, of course she was going to win. Because mm-hmm. you couldn't possibly put her, us, the country, through all this ugliness to make Donald Trump president. Every moment that I spent on that campaign can't be a small role that I was playing in my part to make Donald Trump president of the United States, but that is what happened. So what are you going to do with that? So I thought a lot about what's underneath all this. What is it that, what can we learn about the obstacles that Hillary faced that were not about her own mistakes, Mm -hmm. but I think were destined for the first woman to encounter. And from that, can you imagine a new way? We, I had a moment sitting on the tarmac in Florida in October of 2016 where I thought it just occurred to me like in a flash. Mm-hmm. We made her the female facsimile of the qualities we look for in a male president, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And I was just like, and it was a gut punch because I right. felt like we robbed her of her own humanity. You mm-hmm. know, no wonder people think she's inauthentic. Mm-hmm. And it's a fundamental flaw in the design. Right. Like, what are we, what are we doing? But there is no other... Right way to think about it. I think right. the first woman had to do that. She right. had to prove she could do the job that right. way. Right, which was a. Could you read a little section of that part that I showed you the the idea? So, but this was your way of figuring out what that meant and then where to go. Yeah, from that like here. how we could. What's underneath that, mm-hmm. and what can we? What are the lessons that we can? It, it's not. I think it's even just bigger than what are lessons because mm-hmm. like we're pushing against all of human history because right. these are roles and models. One, one. Like, look pretty. Like, right. Like, two. So two it's, be it's, difficult. Yeah, it's like, no, there's not a five-point checklist about right. how women overcome these obstacles, but looking at them, understanding them, and then you see everywhere from Me Too to all the women running for office to the women's marches mm-hmm. to the Parkland marches, people are reacting in a way that they're believing in their own power to make a difference and they haven't before. Mm-hmm. And that's like what I'm trying to right. capture and say, here are things that some things that we encountered, but here are things now that have worked for me and right. how we should think differently. Stop having two conversations in your head where one was, which is like, I really think this as a woman, Mm -hmm. I really think this, but let Mm -hmm. me filter that through with what society tells me I can defend. Mm -hmm. um, And then I will speak. It's like, get rid of that second conversation. Right. And just say what you want to say. Just say it. All right. Read a part from it. There was a, there was a part that you had. This. uh, Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So this is after the terrible part. This is after we've uh, lost. This is uh, waking up on Wednesday, November 9th. Um, and saying that set the uh, scene. How, where are you? How do you feel? I'm at the. Uh, I'm at the uh, waking up on Wednesday, November 9th, the Peninsula Hotel in okay. New York. I want to tell you what the day after felt like. It felt like a movie scene you would never see. The scene where you don't defuse the bomb just in time. The scene where the world explodes. At 7 a.m. on Wednesday, November 9th, I wake up in my room at the Peninsula New York Hotel, having gone to sleep two hours before. What follows? Silence. A suffocating silence. Like I have been hurled into a black hole, disconnected from the rest of the world. It doesn't even seem possible to me that I could still speak with the other campaign staff. I imagine that if I picked up my phone to call one of them, it wouldn't work. I imagine each of them also tumbling in space, in isolation, no gravity, no orientation. 
this much I can process. I feel fear, free-floating fear. It's not attached to anything specific yet, just fear. Also this, a yearning, not a hope because I can feel no hope on this day, but a yearning that this new world America is entering wouldn't be as bad as we predicted. And failure. We failed. It was on us to save America, and we let her blow up. I recall President Obama pointing at me in jest just 36 hours earlier as he left the Philadelphia rally on Monday night saying, do not mess us up. We got it, we got it, I replied. A different universe, a different lifetime. One I desperately want to get back to, one in which I understood how the world operated where certain things were set in stone. Oh, man. <laughs> Jennifer. <laughs> what a happy book. So it gets better, right? But it gets better right. because what we find is, as like, I want to express it, it oh, feels God. that way, like a different universe for yeah. people. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think a lot of people felt You know, that it's, way. Like a, it's like I a... I thought he'd win. I'll be honest with you. I thought he'd win. You did. I did say it to a lot of people, yeah. I, did, I took him quite seriously. I thought he was, if he was someone appealing to a liberal lesbian from San Francisco, I uh, thought, wow. Right, because he's, like calling, he's, he's like he calling some, out all the bullshit. Yeah, is it? yeah. I mean, crazy is I didn't think he'd be this level of, of crazy. inaccurate and crazy. Inaccurate yeah. bothers me more than anything. Yeah, okay. But um, I could see, I mean, every day I right. saw something. Right. But it turns, but then, there, but then like we all decide, I mean, it, all the women who have reacted mm-hmm. the way they have have decided that. It's uneasy because you've lost your bearings, right? right? So that, and that is very, it's, there's a lot of comfort and I miss that. I miss um, knowing how, believing that I know how things are going to turn out, but there's nothing, there's a new opportunity here. So I say, I think a lot of women feel that way mm-hmm. and initially view the uncertain post-November 9th world with unease. We had lived our lives playing by a certain set of rules and they had failed us. We didn't know what to make of it at first. Could it be that women are only meant to go so far in the world? No. That can't be it. Women haven't plateaued. It's the rules we were playing by that are outdated. We learn learning to appreciate that with this uncertainty comes an empowering new sense of possibility. I look around at all the women, at all that women are doing in America today, and I am inspired. Well, that's better, right? So but that, that is like so that. Talk about so that. What, so what has to change? What is what do you, from your perspective in writing this book? I what think do you, the what? most important thing is to is people to is women to change what's in their own minds. Mm-hmm. You know, I I had to. Um, and I have a chapter here that's called Nod Less and Cry More. Mm-hmm. So uh, during the Clinton campaign, we got a lot of bad news, right? Um, and when I would ever hear somebody come to t- give me some more bad news, I'd brace myself. I would listen to what they say. I would nod. Mm-hmm. And because, you you know, because women don't ever blanch. They don't show emotion. You got to show if, if bad news is being delivered, people will, in the, and others in the room will like always look to see how the woman handles mm-hmm. it, right? Mm-hmm. Is she tough enough? And um, yeah, the anecdote that I opened that chapter with is um, Huma Abedin coming to me on election night and asking me like what the latest is. And she says, well, what are you saying to me? And I said, I'm saying there's a good chance that Donald Trump will be president of the United States. And she just, she just nods. That's her reaction because mm-hmm. that's all we know, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm saying that this is a, and, and, and what we don't, we don't, what we can't ever do in the workplace is show any kind of emotion. You can't right. ever cry. You can't ever cry because right. you're angry or frustrated or moved. Right. And those two, you know, women are sort of drawn to 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 reject one and do the other, mm-hmm. to not cry and to nod. And I think that's the kind of that those those are the ways we have inhibited ourselves that we have to stop doing now. There just has mm-hmm. to be a different way. I don't think anybody looks at the way the world is today in America and says it's all going great. We have all the tools that we need. Women 
hold themselves back because they think their voice doesn't matter. They don't think that their perspective matters. Um, I'm here to tell you that you aren't just robbing yourself when you do that, when you hold back. Right. You're robbing all of us. You right. know, this is like a lesson I learned from President Obama. He wanted all the women in the in the Oval Office when you would meet with him to speak up, not because he was nice or wanted women to feel empowered, although mm-hmm. he did, because he wanted to know what you thought. He needed right. to know. Mm-hmm. And I think women need to understand that. Like you, if, if, if you don't look like everybody else in the room, your perspective matters more, not right. less. Absolutely. That's a really interesting thing because I think one of the things people want to get away from is seeming emotional or seeming, yeah, you but know, I, I just had, I was arguing with someone at Facebook about the, about something and they're, they're like, don't be emotional Oh, uh, uh, because Can it hurts your credibility. Your Fuck you. <laughs> because and you then I what? said, I said, I'm making a reasonable point, and I'm saying it with passion. It's not emotional. I, I get what you're trying to minimize, maybe. But it was a really interesting encounter. Yes, but and I'm like, is, so what? It matters. It, it matters, matters. Right. and also, and and the workplace, you know, it was not built with women in mind. Right. We spent centuries making right. it a comfortable right. place for men and, to And I succeed. actually do believe that men don't like it either. Me, many men have, I don't think have the same reactions, too, as women do. And they don't have to, you know, they're just being, you know, I have two sons and they get mm-hmm. jammed into an emotional, you know, they have the ability to have emotions from A to B. Right. That's it. Like mad or happy. And right. that's all they can do or, or quiet right. or something, you know, but it's a very small level of emotions. And when they want to cry or they want to be, you know, emotional in any way, it, they, they're, they're barred from it, which I think is even worse in a lot of ways. Yeah, this, um, it's like, this is there. We wall off a lot of ourselves. And I yeah. think that that, um, you know, if something moves you to tears, it means it's really important to you. I don't see why you should. So what, not, what other things do you want these women who are going to rule the world to do? And then in the next section, I do the, want to get into Me Too and yeah. Facebook and and their the um, you know the, the the other I think the other big realization is and and there's like more of a dawning of this is how um, you know the future is female the past was too it's just nobody thought it was important to write it all down mm-hmm. right and that we have um, this is another realization we had during Hillary which was. She didn't think her story mattered. She didn't mm-hmm. think she had an interesting story to tell. Right. She didn't think her own life story mattered. She's like, President Obama's story, life has meaning for the American people. So did my husband's, but mine didn't. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, because, and I think that's because we look for, we, we like our president's lives to tell the story of America and Ameri- mm-hmm. the American dream. And that just hasn't existed for, you know, for women. That's a really good point. You know, and when you like, it, it, we liked President, President, you know, Barack Hussein Obama, and, and, and he's a black man. That's a mm-hmm. big step for America. But he spoke, he told us a story about America that we liked. You mm-hmm. know, he, he was going to unite, you know, we weren't red America, we weren't blue America, we were the, we were the United States of America. And um, his election represented this fulfillment of a promise in America, and we were really proud of it. And mm-hmm. same, you know, Bill Clinton pulled himself up by his bootstraps and, um, was you know young, exciting uh, governor that yeah technocrat that was uh, you know that's a that's an American dream story that we that we love. But with Hillary, it just um, you know I think this is what happens with the people who are making history, and that's what I, I want people to, like just reorient your thinking, understand that it is a. I didn't think it was going to be that big of a deal to elect a woman president or even that hard. But if you step back and look at this from this you know, human history, it's a radical idea for a woman to be in charge. Mm-hmm. In America, we haven't even had the right to vote for 100 years. Right. So women in the workplace, women in politics is all very new. And, you know, think of the all of our founding documents, every law that's enacted in a state, our, you know, plays, our movies, our literature. It's 
this whole canon of what we think of right. as the American story right. is white men. Right, right, right. And right. it doesn't mean that white men are all trying to hold women back, but that is all it is. So when you think you don't fit in and mm-hmm. you're frustrated because... Um, you see the women's, the second women's march that happened this March and um, there was a like huge turnout and a lot of people were frustrated because they didn't see a lot of coverage of it in mm-hmm. the press. Stop looking. Mm-hmm. They aren't going to cover it. Right, right, right. Go be like Kara Swisher and make your own thing. <laughs> right, Go do, right. make your own podcast, start right. your own, right. tell your own sure. story. Sure. You, It is not built for what, you. What holds back? Do you think Hillary Clinton is the is the last of her version? Because there were yeah, you know, these tough women who push through things. I'm thinking Madeleine Albright. There's a whole pack of them yeah. who really push through and got to the top. But it was at great personal cost. It was great. Yeah. Uh, uh, their reputational cost. All co- you know, you can see you yeah. can see those scars pretty much. Um, and Hillary Clinton is pretty much the lightning rod for all of them. It feels like it. Yeah, she was the word. It was just like everything was compressed into her. And it's right. something and that she had her own difficulties. Yeah, and, I think but she, they were, it's like she were definitely over emphasized with her more than it. Yeah, I think that she, you know, she has plenty of flaws. She made mistakes. I just think any man would have overcome those mistakes. Mm-hmm. Any man would have overcome so them. So what, what is the new, what does a woman president look like? What, what is, is, is it have to be a Republican, for example? I don't think, I don't think it's that. I don't think it's, I don't think it's um, formulaic like that. I also mm-hmm. think that in the midst of, I, I believe we're going to look back at this time for women as pretty revolutionary where we understood we can do any job as well as men. Mm-hmm. We just don't want to anymore. Mm-hmm. We're going to do it our way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think amidst that, you have revolution happening in politics. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it could be that I think there's a number of Democratic women that I could think could become the president of the United States. I think Kirsten Gillibrand could become president of the United States. I think Kamala mm-hmm. Harris could. I think Elizabeth Warren could. Um, I also think that somebody could rise up that, you know, say, I haven't seen this person, but say that there was a Parkland student or mm-hmm. a Parkland teacher who was over 35 and mm-hmm. could run for president. I could see someone like that doing mm-hmm. it. I think that, you know, and what does it even mean to be a Republican anymore? I, I think that, like, all of this is realigning right. in right. really So in a weird way, you're ways. saying that Donald Trump is a good thing. In a there, I'm way. saying there are there are. I think like the clap. I'm saying that he um, that there's that there is you know there's like a there are some uh, impacts of his election that are positive, which, which is like, that it's it's making people radicalized in some yeah, way. It just makes people realize that we have to think of a new we have set to of rules. A new, yeah, we new have to think of a new way. Yeah, and yeah. So it just it proved that it doesn't. It proved that. <laughs> It, it, you know, all those doubts that particularly I think women have in the back of their mind that, you know, like, well, you know, why is this workplace so hard? Or maybe I shouldn't have to, you know, or, you know, the guy that, um, the you know, you say an idea, nobody reacts. Three minutes later, a yeah. guy says the same idea and everything's it's genius. You yeah. know, like, you aren't imagining these things. They do still, they do still exist. But if it is, I think the most powerful thing you can do is decide in your own mind that your perspective matters and that's mm-hmm. going to affect everything you do and how you engage at work and that changes your and, universe. And also that something is fishy because often I think I find women, not me, um, where they're like, uh, oh, it's just me. Like, oh, I, I imagine that or this is, and I think right. in a lot of ways, the election right. of Donald Trump says, oh no, you're right. 
It's like that. It really... And he's just saying it out loud. It's like that. It's, you know what I mean? Like yes. he doesn't even hide it. it um, ex- he's transparently appalling. You know what it I mean? It exposed like, the world. From right. What, yeah. It, but he, he, he says it out and proud even. And so it's not, most people tend to hide it. Oh, no, no, you're being listened to, but right. you're really not. You're, you're really not. Yeah. Which is interesting. Um, you see all, you see all these ways in which you're really not and mm-hmm. you try to fit in. Um, and it works, you know, and it works fine. It worked fine for me. Most of my career it worked fine mm-hmm. up to, up to a point. And right. it's not, you know, that ain't working anymore. That ain't working. We're going to talk about what will work and some other issues. Like I'd love to get your take on Facebook right now this yeah. week and other things. <laughs> We're here with Jennifer Palmieri, the author of a new book, Dear Madam President. This episode is brought to you by MParticle, the customer data platform for every screen. And I'm here with co-founder and CEO, Michael Katz. We know that uh, people are using mobile to research and transact more than ever before, which we've talked about. Um, what's the future of mobile commerce and how does MParticle help its retailer customers like Overstock, Lily Pulitzer, and Jet.com? So the classic notion of a person moving through the funnel is fundamentally broken. Mm-hmm. People may start researching a company's product on their laptop, subscribe to that brand's email newsletter a few days later, get an email which they open on their phone, download the app and complete the purchase. You know, So right there, just trying to map the customer journey, you need to capture data from four or five systems. So brands need to create uh, consistent and personalized experiences across all these devices and systems. And so it starts with having a data platform that was built to ingest data from anywhere, mm-hmm. create a unified view of the customer, and then in real time, sync that data out to all the various marketing and analytics tools that the company may use in order to create these experiences. So people are doing very different things all the time. So Absolutely. To be dynamic as they are using all these devices. For sure. Thank you, Mike Katz of MParticle. Where can we learn more about what you're doing? Go to www.mparticle.com or follow us on Twitter at mparticles with an S. Ah, thank you so much. Thanks. We're here with Jennifer Palmieri, the author of Dear Madam President. This is an open letter. Yes. It's an open letter. It is. So what else does a what does a lady embrace, president have to I, be? Embrace your battle scars. Yeah. This is the other thing I'm a big believer yeah. in. Such so, as show them off. Show them off. At that, parties, uh, party trick. Uh, yeah. Um said to embrace your battle scars, they show, if you show people what you've been through, it mm-hmm. tells us, I think it tells people what they can, what, what they mm-hmm. can survive. And I say that I, um, you know, in my own life, it's like, I want my face to sh- tell you something about the life that I have lived. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. And so I remember in the Clinton White House, um, the Bill Clinton White House, not that I need to specify because I know there's right. not a Hillary one, right. but I started getting these wrinkles in between my eyebrows, yeah. right? Yeah. And I thought they the were Botox really, wrinkles. Yeah, right? the yeah. Botox wrinkles. I thought they were really cool because yeah. I thought it showed mm-hmm. that I'd lived through stressful times and I had you know gained maturity and wisdom you had your from intense them. look a little too long. Yeah. Yeah. I held the intense, like, the intense <laughs> look, as you noted, has not gone away. Um, and I remember going to a spa and there was like a brochure that said, you know, talked about your 11s and how to get rid of them. And I was like, oh man, my wrinkles have a name and I'm supposed to get rid of them? Like I thought they were really cool. And I just decided... I'm keeping my 11s. I'm keeping my 11s. I may go to 12. Who knows? Like, what the hell? I have certainly gone Possibly. to... I have gone to quadruple digits. Uh, 111. I'm going to 111. That's since right. the... Uh, yeah, since the Clinton... This since is the, the Trump White Scott. House. This, this is yeah. the Trump wrinkle. And I... Um, 
in the book, I relay the, uh, my sister passed away last year and I relay the last, my last day I spent with her was my 50th birthday. It was a week after the election. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I know it was rough, um, but it was, but what I, what I found was that, that, you know, when I want people to know who have a, you know, family with mem- family member with, tem- with terminal illness, like everyone does, um, there's a lot of joy that you can experience with that person that you never would have otherwise. And mm-hmm. it, it can be, there's a lot of blessings that come with that experience. Mm-hmm. I don't want people to be so scared of it. But I also, you know, it was a really emotional day. And I, I took my, I took a selfie of myself at the Dallas airport afterwards. Uh, it's my 50th birthday. Last day I spent with Dana. Hillary had just lost. And I looked at my face and I, you know, you could see the wear and tear it had taken on me. Mm-hmm. But I want that to show. Right. I want so people show to show off who you are. I want yeah. people to, yeah. And yeah. I want, like, I've always found older women's faces to be a comfort to me because mm-hmm. it shows you there was something before this moment. There will be something after. after. That's you very know, wise. That's very they. You look at them and you can tell that they've, you know, lived a life that had a lot of experiences and they came through it on the, on the other end. And I think in our president's faces, you see it so much, right? Yeah. You know, it's, it's like a it's like a national pastime to mm-hmm. like marvel at how the job ages them. And right. President so, President Obama. I mean, you see, yeah, you saw he looks like he, the guy who ran for president eight looks like Barack Obama's son. Right. But right. that's how much. Right. But. I think it's like you show the care and love that you, you know, frustration that you... That it takes to do the job. Yeah, it yeah. So what what else does a woman president have to be going forward? What do you... They have to be digitally savvy, obviously. Yeah, you have to. I think that you can't... I think you have to emails. just... You have to... You just have to... You have to engage in the world and you have to be re- willing to reveal everything mm-hmm. of yourself. And I don't mean like put out all your taxes, although like you'll have to do that too. But mm-hmm. I mean, and we've talked about this, Carol, like you have to understand who you are, not hold back, have the courage of your conviction and be willing to reveal that to um, everyone. And I think you have to... You know, every day I feel like the mainstream legacy media just matters less and less. And, mm-hmm. you know, things like we'll Washington Post that. and the New York Times, they still matter. They right. still have a big um, impact. And they're doing a lot of investigations. Well, they're doing, I mean, I, you know, they're doing the best work of their um, existence yeah. and their careers, particularly uh, I think the Washington Post is outstanding. Um and, and a lot of, you know, and I think more investigative journalism is needed and, and we could still have more of that. But... When I think of like the daily churn of political coverage, whether it's on television or in the in the newspapers, um, that still has a big influence on how people perceive you. We certainly experienced that, even though um, you know partly because it gets on people's Facebook feeds and it still mm-hmm. has an impact. But I think if you're running for president, I would seek out so many other opportunities where you can actually have a conversation or just speak for yourself. Look at Trump. Whatever you think yeah. of him, he's fantastic. Yeah, but Twitter, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Just, I mean, but do, do it yourself, but do it right. everywhere. You know, yeah. do it in podcasts mm-hmm. like this. Things that really get to reveal who you um, who you are to people. I think that's the most powerful anecdote to when he's going to do that. Do you that. think? There are, the politicians are comfortable because they still. I find it difficult dealing with politicians. They still, still. no, they still. And I'm like, what? What universe are you? Do you think you're living in now? Right. What did you not see? What happened? Right. 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 What do you? And I, 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 this is like the people I give yeah. advice to. That is right. what I say. You, you just. But I still am frustrated, mostly with television mm-hmm. um, coverage, less so with papers. But there's still 
too much focus on the game, the moment the of moment. politics right. in the moment, and you know, yelling at you know President Trump last week. Have there been any discussions of pardons? It's like, well, he's not going to answer that question, and also that doesn't really tell us anything. Right. You know, that's not that. No, it's a moment to moment. I call it the one and done thing. They just yeah, sort of go and through. It just, and it's and they don't have substantive discussions, and it's exhausting, mm-hmm. and it's people running in circles. Like Trump does not interest me. Mm-hmm. He just doesn't like. Just I like. I know who he is. I think the only question is, what are we going to do about it? But I think if you're a Democrat. Democratic, a Democrat candidate who's thinking about running for president in 2020, you should be out talking to actual people in platforms like this that like mm-hmm. are lasting and have some kind of shelf life and actually get to reveal um, and not who you get are. caught up in the day to day and not get caught up because he's the, really good at that. That's his forte. Right, I think that's right. the issue is that. The press gets sucked up into it too, as he says something crazy and outrageous. And I get every it. Day. Like he's president of the States. You got it. You have to cover what he does. More but than that, I me, think it's interesting to people. It is kooky. It's like being yeah, a, it is reality. Not, I, just, show. I don't find it interesting at all. Well, anymore. I think it, it it's like candy. It seems like it's like it's sort of like addictive. Right. It's like it's addictive. That's what it but is. But they say, Oh my god, there's so much news today and I think, not really. No. Not there's really. a lot of like there's a lot of activity. Activity, right. But and it's not productivity. Not, but it's not news. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think America, when it replaces a president, it selects its opposite. It selects its mirror image. And I think that person, you know, it could be a woman, it could be a man, but I think that is a person who is a who's more thoughtful, sure of who they are. And so we've got to bring Gandhi back from the dead to be the next president. It's inclined to bring people together. Gandhi, let's see, Mandela, we have to bring... Well, yeah, I mean, it was interesting. Barack Obama really knew who he was when he ran for president. A lot of people who they they were for president... You have to do that. That's another thing you have to do. I think women do know, not know themselves as well as men are certain of... They think they don't. Yeah. I think that's right. I think that's right. And, and, you know, Obama had written... One of my friends, Dan Pfeiffer, said, Mm -hmm. like, he thought a reason why Obama knew himself so well was because Obama had written a book before he ran for president. Right. A couple of Mm -hmm. them. My father's very introspective. And really, he also has a remarkable perception of other people. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's that kind of awareness and empathy that I think you uh, need. But man, your soul is going to be stripped bare. So you have to be able to do it. What other, when you talk about, um, I'm going to ask you an unusual question for you. What do you think Trump does well? As a communications director, like if you're looking, if you didn't, oh, super clear. Obviously, drives a cover, you know, drives the news cycle like nobody's <laughs> um, business. Um, uh, engages directly, uh, and and also he calls, you know, he calls BS on some conventions that honestly I think needed to, you know, needed mm-hmm. to uh, like needed to hear that. Mm-hmm. So it's not because there it, it, you know, and this is something that I feel. I contributed to is that if you treat politics like a game, parlor, sport, parlor game, I guess right. it's not, I guess there aren't sports and parlors, yeah. you know, people are going to liable to believe that it is and it doesn't matter to right. me to Which do it. Which it has them. been for a long time. Do you imagine? It has been for a long time, but it just keeps getting So where's worse. the next version of politics coming? What is the next version? I think we're seeing it. Like, yeah. it's people taking to the streets. People right. taking to the streets thinking it's their obligation. Like the And that it's within kids. their power. Like, How do like you look at them? Kids. Boy, are they running circles around the right way? Yeah, it's ridiculous. It's but fantastic. it's like it's like they just all call, the old, right? It's they just, call, I was like, don't go down that whole old person, like <laughs> Charlie Daniels. I was like, no, don't go down that hole. They'll get you. <laughs> like, don't venture in there with the word "son" to these people. They're so good. And then he did, and I'm like, oh well. They're so good. They don't um, go near Snapchat, dude. That's all I have to say. Yeah, they. Well, I think that they're a generation that's used to telling their story. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Which yeah. is a which yeah. is. 
the thing women, most women aren't mm-hmm. used to doing. And mm-hmm. that's like a bad, women, yeah. so that's a big deal. They, um, uh, and they're pretty fearless and they have courage of their convictions. So they make me very I feel optimistic. I feel it's just such, it's like, it's such a relief. I did not participate in the women's March in January mm-hmm. of 2017. We're still in mourning. I, you know, I, I had a kind of a different kind of. Re- I, I did not actually cry about this election, the 2016 election, until we won the Virginian governor, New Jersey oh, governor choice in 2017. Because mm-hmm. like then I could be, then I felt like There's relief, yeah. like we're not going to dissolve into a fire pit of racial hatred. Mm-hmm. Although we still could, but I don't think we will. But um, I stepped back because I was like, I want to see. Like I've done everything I could, and you know, I, I'm, I'm kind of a control freak, and I always think that if I do one more thing, it's going to make a difference. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to step back and say, Hey, let's see. All right, America, what are you going to do? Like, how are you going to handle this right. with Trump? And so I laid back and watched. You know, like purposely took my hands off the wheel. Mm-hmm. Jesus, <laughs> take the wheel. Jesus, Let's take see. the wheel. And it was pretty remarkable. What? Yeah. You know, what was happened. it touch and go with Roy Moore? Were you sort of like um, I was worried about that. I thought that that was um, that was another big moment um, when we won Alabama. That uh, yeah, that this could be this is something that's this a is good a different. Thing. And now I don't. You know, now I'm like Beto O'Rourke is going to win in Texas. He's running for the Senate yep. up against Ted Cruz. Um, he's way behind in the polls, but he's like going town to town. He's not taking any PAC money. doesn't take any corporate money. It's all like low to the ground. It's all grassroots. It's like that is the kind yeah. of candidate that's going to win. So you have worked for the Democratic Party your whole life. How do you assess yeah. the Democratic Party? Because half of it is their finger pointing and arguing. Yeah, that's like what we do. You know, yeah. like we're like if people, are, it, it makes me, the thing that, one of the things that makes me so crazy in politics is they're like, you know, well, we need to be more like the Republicans because Republicans all just say one thing and they just repeat it. And they're like, it's like, you guys... Like, what evidence do you need? We are not like them. Yeah, right. right. We are so, never going to do that, right, ever. Yeah, and I don't want to do that. Line, yeah. We are never going to fall in line. You know why? Right. Because, like, we really care about results, and so we're going to argue about how we get there. Mm-hmm. So everybody wants everybody to have health care, but we all have different ideas how we do mm-hmm. it, and we think it's really important, so we're going to fight. And right. we're, that's just how it's going to be. But I still think that there's agreement in the Democratic Party about what direction the country should go. Right. And then the Republican Party, my God. Yeah. I mean, I worry about them because I there should be a healthy opposition. And they're, you know, right now it, I don't think, I don't know that the Republican Party, as we have thought about it, is going to survive. But I, I feel like they tolerated some measure of race baiting in their party for they, years. For years. Yeah. They Lee Atwater, I remember. Yeah, I mean for decades. Decades. And they It's not Trump. It's not just Trump. I, no, I, he 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 yeah, yeah. Does Donald Trump hijack your party? Yes. After you've been fomenting that. Right. And you've been pursuing economic policies that are totally bankrupt that help no one except rich people. Like yes, Donald Trump hijacks your party. He mm-hmm. comes in and does that. Mm-hmm. And you know, now I don't you know, it's it's like the the people who want to engage in the world, um, and the people who um, are looking to shut the world out. Like that's you know, like with, you know, with through trade policies and immigration policies, that's how these parties seem seem to be realigning. So right. I, right. you know, I don't know. How so how do you survive. feel about twenty twenty? I did just interview Anthony Scaramucci here. Right. Here. What am I? Uh, yeah, he said Trump was going to win in twenty twenty. Well, this thing is really possible. I yeah. think that you have to. Um, I think he's not. I think that there's just, I don't, 
you know, he could run the table again and get just the right amount of votes. Or people I, get tired of the show. Uh, right. His, right. Ne- his negative, from my concerns, is people get tired of the show, like mm-hmm. they did his show. Like, yeah. I watched the show for years, and then I got tired. One oh, day, really? yeah. it's just, I'm done. It's enough of you. It's you enough. Know? And he's playing it like a TV show, which is why... That's interesting. Yeah. Know? Yeah. He, uh, the people, people get tired of it. I think that they're going to be, I think they're going to be exhausted and want something that I mean. they can bring, bring, bring people together. Well, or you remember the end of the movie, The Truman Show? Yeah. When he said, when he walks off and says goodbye, good night, and, yeah. uh, and then everyone goes, the, the thing goes in and someone goes, well, what's on next? And that's what I felt <laughs> like. What's on next? You know what I mean? Like, so, so are you, yes. after you wrote this, are you positive now or what I is am. your, I do. what is your, you're working like, for the, what, you're doing a whole bunch of consulting, I do. Right? I work for the Center for American Progress and right. also the Emerson Collective. Which is Lorraine uh, uh, Powell Jobs' um, mm-hmm. organization. Uh, mm-hmm. Does really incredible work, particularly doing incredible work in immigration, Absolutely. education, uh, social justice, criminal justice. Um, so it is, I think it's a scary time. It's not a time I ever expected to mm-hmm. be living through. Mm-hmm. But I am, you know, whatever. It's like every day you see something that disturbs you, but I see more things that make me feel like America is rising to the moment here. I mean, we had the terrible shooting um, uh, in Sacramento, right? Mm-hmm. Devastating. Yeah. But we see it, and we see it, and and people, you know, and and you people see that, and you know, white families whose children aren't subjected to that kind of prejudice from law enforcement now, you know, are feeling more deeply what it means, what it feels like to be scared that when your kid walks out the door, mm-hmm. they're not going to walk back in because they went to school. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are these are really devastatingly sad ways that we are learning. connecting and learning from each other, but I feel like I feel like we are. Mm-hmm. I want to end on Facebook because it's been in the news this week, and I know you have some opinions about the Facebook. Um, what do you think they did? I think they, like a lot of people, had a lack of imagination about how haywire things could go. Mm-hmm. I'd say the same was true um, about uh, for uh, for them with Russia, for the Obama administration with Russia. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, w- I would say, like in the Clinton campaign, we were yes, it, it, it felt like something really funny was going. funny was going on. Yeah, and, Hillary you know, talked I, about I it afterwards. Like, everyone made fun of her in my interview with her last year, and now, of course, yes. a lot of what she says has come to pass. I sounded like a crazy person during the campaign saying, I think this is the Russians, and they're doing it purposefully. Right, you know, and you know it's the plot of Homeland this year. Yes. Yeah. It, and, it's um, the Russians. It's the Russians, and it. I think that Facebook had a failure of imagination about how haywire it could go and a, fa- a lack of imagination now about how you how you solve that. And, you know, it's the greatest, it's the most powerful communications platform the universe has ever seen. And um, I don't, you know, there seems to be, they seem to be sort of hamstrung by that, scared mm-hmm. of that, not wanting to acknowledge that, um, but not having an idea of how what you would fix be, that. What would you do besides make, fixing the situation? So this is the great thing, yeah. that, like, I have no idea. Right. So I guess people with people who, like, do, <laughs> do, people who do that to me all the time. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. I don't know what they're doing on the Clinton campaign, but right. if I were there, I would have figured <laughs> it out by now. Or it's crazy that they haven't figured okay, it out. Okay, what's the one thing you would have done different? Oh, on the Clinton New campaign? hair color? What? For Hillary? <laughs> I would have... Brunette. Brunette. Um, I would have listened to her more because she... Um, I do relay that on my first day, she sort of laid out, just like vomited up what it had been like to be here for the last 25 years. And 
everything, like, she's just sort of bewildered by it all, right? Like, mm-hmm. times the press liked her, times they hated her, times the public liked her, times they didn't. And she just, like, wanted to lay it all out. But she's like, you know, we're going to try to start new with the press and other forms of communicating. And I want you to never censor yourself or hold back. Like, you should always tell me what you think and what you think I need to do. But I might say no a lot because I've been me for a long time and I kind of know how people react to me. And yeah. um and it was a little sad because she was like, you can see she's just, she's like, I just, I think I'm a simple and serious person. I don't understand why I provoke such rage in people. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like she was the least surprised that it turned out the way it did because, mm-hmm. and if we had understood, listened to her more about like, I'm worried about this or that or how that's going to be received or, um, you know, she might have, uh, you know, in any one change could have made a big difference because we yeah. lost by so little. Yeah. Why didn't she turn around when he was behind her? Because, you know, I totally disagree with her on this point because she now says I should have turned around and said, hey, you creep back up. Yeah. If she had done that, because mm-hmm. remember, that was the that was the debate where mm-hmm. Donald Trump bought the women that yeah. accused Bill Clinton of a lot of bad behavior. And if she had done that, mm-hmm. the, the entire coverage, because remember, that was the old universe we were living right. in, the coverage right. would all have been Clinton rattled. Mm-hmm. Hillary Clinton rattled by Donald Trump. He's been like holding this Trump card, so to speak, mm-hmm. that he's going to come after her on being an mm-hmm. enabler mm-hmm. and he's going to come after her on having attacked women. All of which is totally false, by the way, which is why it mm-hmm. is among the reasons why his ploy didn't work because the facts didn't bear it out. But it would say he won. He got under her skin. He rattled her. If she had, if she turned around and said, "What are you doing, you creepy dude?" I just think, I just think in the old world, that's what I think that's what would happened. I mean, really? the whole, you know, and I talked to her that. Um, before she had gotten stage, you know, after this, after this yeah. had happened, I said, um, and he had done this press conference, and then um, you know sought to seat these women in the front row, and mm-hmm. you know it's all this craziness. And I was like, remember, this was designed to do one thing: rattle you. Yeah, get under your skin. So why not get rattled? You're She's just like, talking about crying. And she public said. Crying. I, yeah, I got that. Yeah. I was like, but the great news is he didn't do it. Right. And she's like, nope, he didn't. Although, but I'm because taking I your think advice. that that, but in that world, if she didn't, then I just don't think I don't think it would have worked. Uh, now I think it would. Now, yeah. but like now, yeah, I think it would. You know, that's not how the press would have received it. Then it would have been right. like, wow, he really got under her skin, and then, um, and we would have spent you know, the next three weeks dealing with that. It's, mm-hmm. But I think now, yeah, now I would. Turn around, turn around, <laughs> say yeah, and just and and and, and yeah, Pull it like Trump listen, on him. don't listen to the don't listen to the second conversation that happens in your head where you're trying to decide whether or not you can justify what you believe. You know, say what you believe. I did Which a. Is what are you doing? What are you doing? I did an interview uh, about you know people ask me about crying at work. And they're like, well, what are you going to say to some people who say, well, it's just it's just not professional. It's like I say it is. I say it is. <laughs> Would you like to weep right now? Yeah, no. I mean, I might. I might. I care a lot about it. Care. I might yeah. just missed up a little bit. <laughs> no, I so. don't think I can get you to cry. So, last question: What are you doing next? So, you're going to write. You wrote this book. It's doing really well. It's, it's doing well. It. I'm yeah. so like, oh my god, it was such a stress case last week about it. Really, the first couple of days. But I guess which I guess is normal. But it's doing. People seem to. I love what I love is that. Uh, women like it and say they want to give it to their daughters or that their daughters has like stolen mm-hmm. it from them mm-hmm. and you know it's like in their 14 year old daughter's bedroom she can't find it because her daughter won't give it up it's like it's really um, it seems to be uh, yeah, it seems to be the right moment for something like this but you want to reach the dudes them. too 
Uh, I do find, you know, I have Republican book agents. Right. They are also Jim Comey's book agents. Oh, wow. They're good. really smart guys. These guys at Javelin. Seen that one yet? Your favorite. Ma- Matt Lattimore and Keith. <laughs> now, is he your hero now or not? Or never? I, I just like, I don't really, you know, he just got caught up in something that got out of control too. Yeah. Like, you know, I don't think any of this is an right. accident that 2016 is the year where all this craziness happened. Yeah. But I think that Jim Comey uh, was more interested in protecting his own reputation than he would like to admit. And I think that influenced well, how he treated this. Says in the book. Yeah, I know, I know he doesn't agree with that. He thinks that he was protecting the integrity mm-hmm. of the FBI, yeah, but right. he went above and beyond the way, you know, he handled this situation on a number of occasions in unprecedented ways that had huge impacts with us. And I just think Not that he was... Yes, it was a, it was a, um, uh, it was a problem. But the guys, um, my Republican friends, read the book and they said, you know, wow, I, I really, I never saw it that way. You mm-hmm. know, I never saw it that way for what happened to Hillary. I never saw it that way for how women experience things. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, and a lot of guys I've talked to was like want to make sure that their sons read it too. So you just have a different perspective. And like you said, it's not some of these inhibitions. I mean, think of the little girl, um, what uh, Yolanda King, mm-hmm. MLK's yeah. granddaughter, that spoke at yeah. the Parkland march. She's like so fearless and right. joyful, right. like all little girls are, yeah. right? Yeah. They're all super confident. And right. then they and then we learn to not mm-hmm. be that way. Yeah. And little boys She's do staying too. that way. Yeah. Stay that way. Don't yeah. learn it. Right? Yeah. That's what yep. you hope comes out of it. Yeah. So what are you gonna do? That's I don't your know. Next I mean, chapter. I have, I, you gonna do another presidential campaign? I wanna be one of the people that sits on the sidelines and judges everybody. <laughs> so cable, cable funded. Yeah, I don't think I'll do that either. But yeah. uh, I love writing. I really do. I do love you? it. I was surprised to find that I so like you consult and I like yeah, I like being I like sitting in a room by myself and being like, I think this hit send. <laughs> It's the amazing. Internet. It's after, called the internet. But after, after like, it? like working in, you know. Yeah, and you have to be careful. Yeah, you have to be careful. Have to be, I think that Kellyanne Conway moment was a big one for you. That was a, <laughs> I, like, you, you know, know and I cried all the way through that. My voice was shaking and I was You're, crying. I, I, could, I, could, I, I watched care. it because I watched it before this. And I, I, I could see you, your mind slowly going, you know what? Fuck it. Yes. <laughs> That's, I've had enough. That is... This far and no further. You could see it all going through. Yes. You, and you went for it. And I was like, yes, yes. Do not regret doing that. Do not regret it. And then the, the next week I met with a guy and you <laughs> see, he was like, oh, I saw what happened at Harvard. That's bad. It's too bad. That kind of thing isn't good for anybody. I guess it, I guess it was too soon for you. I was like, yeah, fuck you. <laughs> it was not too soon for me. I'm glad I said it. It's totally true. So how should we remember Hillary Clinton then? <sighs> Man, she was the woman that had the will... <laughs> And courage to go down this really difficult path, even though she knew it was going to be hard, because she thought it was the right thing to do. And I think that she will, you know, she's the woman that will like showed us that, you know, did it the way it all has been done. I think showed us that we can do, we can embrace a, a new way. And I just hope the next, you know, the woman that does get elected is going to owe her a debt of gratitude. And I, I, I wanted. Part of the reason I want to write that book. in a lot of ways. Yeah, she it's got not, killed during time. She got killed, that, and then yeah. now is seen as a great icon. Yeah, yeah. But you just, you know, you want people to. I, I don't think we have to dwell on it to say. Mm-hmm. Except if you're the Fox News, they love to. Except if you're Fox News, but let's examine what happened there because mm-hmm. it was a big deal. What do you? Let me ask you one more question. People talking that she shouldn't talk. Do you think she? Should? Oh, it's so ridiculous. Like, and then stop asking her questions. Yeah. Okay. If you don't think she should talk. Yeah. Also, do you say that Mitt Romney shouldn't talk? Do you say right. that John Kerry shouldn't talk? Right. 
You know, I don't right. hear this out of other. It's it's so it's so transparent to me what that's about. There's something about her that I just don't like. I, I it, it, it amazes me that it's still an issue. Well, I'm thrilled you're talking, Jennifer. Thank, <laughs> Thank you, you so much. Wasn't that a good end? Yeah. Anyway, it was great talking to you. Thanks for coming on the show. If you enjoyed the interview as much as I did, be sure to subscribe to the show. You can find more episodes of Recode Decode on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play Music, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Or just visit recode.net slash podcasts for more. And if you have a minute, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and tell other people about this show. That helps them discover great interviews like this one with Jennifer. Now that you've done with this, you should check out our other Recode Radio podcasts. On Recode Media with Peter Kafka, you hear no-nonsense interviews with some of the smartest people in media and entertainment. I also host Too Embarrassed to Ask, where we answer all of your questions about consumer tech. And on Recode Replay, you can find audio from all of Recode's live events, including the Code Conference and Code Media. Thank you for listening to this episode of Recode Decode, and thanks to our editor, Joel Robbie, and our producer, Eric Johnson. I'll be back here on Wednesday. Tune in then.